Half knowing, half learning. What does it mean to explore the space between? I'm Jason E.C. Wright, and this is Half Calf, where I catch up and converse with friends and creatives in the middle of transition. Today I catch up with Jamal Adamola as he unfolds the beauty in being true to his story. Uh, right now I'm in the middle of uh, too many different things. Um, Shooting a fashion film for some friends at the well and uh, some music you know, friends, and then also working on uh, two short films one about love and relationships, the other about uh, Yoruba spirits and African masculinities. Okay. Now, how did, you, um, how did you even get into creating visuals? Was this something that you had always wanted to do, or is it like something you fell into out of like a personal passion? It's like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. Um, like filmmaking was always something I was interested in. Um, visually, like I'm into visual language in general. Um, I love um, all sorts of storytelling and the way you can use visuals to tell us communicate a story. So whether it's photography or animation or actual film language, um, like I, I got my start in animation. That was my first sort of like foray into into filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I made like a little short animation in college. Um, then I was really into like anime at that point, like a lot of students were um, right. of animation. Um, and from there, you know, my, my taste is sort of like kind of changed, man. Like I, I got into television, ended up working at Cartoon Network and Adult Swim for a while, got my first start into a couple of TV shows, and then I was uh, working with a director doing storyboards. Okay. That's kind of like I got the, you know, boarding and like how to deliver like a punchline, how to deliver a story uh, through working with that director and helping him board out his scripts and ideas. The show was called Harvey Birdman, Attorney of Law. I love that show. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Peanut. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so Stephen Colbert... Yeah, I, you know, it's funny because I can't believe how much time has passed because Stephen Colbert, like, before he is who he is now, he was, like, the man on that show. He did, like, the voices of, like, five of the characters. You know? I did not know that. Yeah. If you go back and listen to it, you, you can... It's distinctly Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Like, he changes his voice. He did Men Talk, The Mind Taker. He did, uh... <laughs> uh who else did he do? He did the guy with the ray gun. I can't think of his name. Oh, the uh, the, the, the miniaturized. Yeah, 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 So uh, the whole reason the show ended was because he got his own show, and then they, they killed yeah they killed Harvey Birdman and Tony Because without him they couldn't yeah you know, find someone else to play the characters. With. So anyway, that's how I got into like I guess telling stories. Um, first it was animation, and then I got into graphic design. Okay. Um, I just love like visually representing something in the most clean and elegant and um, communicative way, you know, mm-hmm. like sharing ideas with people that, that they can like resonate with like instantly. Um, and then uh, film is, was always something I wanted to do. Um, I think it, it was just a matter of, because um, I didn't really go to film school, um, but it's good for more of animation, but it was just a matter of like, Kind of like learning myself, picking up books, director's books, uh, making friends with filmmakers, learning from them, going on set to like observe, you know, and learn. And um, yeah, that's how that's how I got started. And so you also do. Uh, I've seen you doing like uh, different photographic uh, projects as well. Where does that fit into your creative process of things? Is that um, an outlet for you, or is it more a way to kind of play around with conceptual ideas and mm. communicate something differently? 
That's a great question. Uh, initially, it started out as I wanted to get really comfortable working with talent. Mm. Um, because I had gotten so used to sitting at a desk, uh, working by myself, or working with other people that were sitting at desks. So it was still collaborative, but we still were sort of like in our own little world, our own little bubble. And I wanted to really uh, get away from the desk and like, you know, stand up, interact with people, direct them, tell them how to pose. So for me, it was, it was a way of like wanting to learn what's the best way to communicate with people and get, and get them to uh, get comfortable and then also get them to sort of like open up and, and um, so I can get like the visual that I, I want to see. You know? um, so I mean, I've been doing photography now for a couple, like more seriously for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's funny because I really don't want to be a photographer, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> you know, but it's funny because I, I, now a lot of people are reaching out to me to shoot like lookbooks and portraits and other things. So I've always approached it more as like, like wanting to learn how to get people to, to um, just being a better in-person collaborator and then also um, more so not like fine art, like my own sort of like, uh, personal fine art, yeah. Yeah, well I mean, I guess it's also, um, when you talk about getting comfortable working with talent, it's, that's a really intimate thing to right. be in somebody's face with a camera, yeah. but then also getting them to emote and yeah, absolutely. Um, loosen up. Like I know, like, you know, you incorporate a lot of like floral elements and certain things, but then also it's just, it's catching people almost not whimsically, but in a in a different state yeah, right like yeah. it's not like the typical like the people that i've seen you shoot with you're taking them into something that's not normally right. like what people have seen them yeah. in per se right. and that's really it's really interesting to see how people open up uh with that so going into doing more of like the fashion film and the things that you're working on now what do you find is the most helpful when you're wanting to express like the idea you want to capture, right? Like mm -hmm. you do your storyboarding, of mm -hmm. course, but like how else do you convey to the people that will be a part of it what your vision is and what right. you want it to feel like? Like how do you yeah, communicate yeah, yeah. that? Uh, it depends on the budget and how much time and preparation that I have, honestly. <laughs> <And there's> that. <laughs> right. Like sometimes it's literally like a model will be in town that I really think is dope and I'm like, she's in town for a few days and I'm like, yo, let's get together and shoot something. So I don't have much time to do anything at that point. But then other times I, I get, um, I'll make a treatment, you know, you know I'll pull images, I'll do drawings, poses, uh, and it'll be more elaborate as far as uh, conceptualized, like what we're gonna shoot. Um, but yeah, it just, it just depends. Um, What's been one of your most um, self-impacting projects that you've done, like one that resonated with you more than you thought it would once it was finished? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, you know, honestly, I feel, I feel like I haven't done it yet, honestly. Okay. Like, I, I've done a lot of commercial work. Like, mm -hmm. when I say commercial work, like for brands, like um, advertising commercials. Um, and in that, typically, I don't really, I don't really share that work a lot right. because I don't really feel like it represents the type of work that I want to do. Uh, and, and it's not like it's not good work. A lot of it is, is really great, like big budget commercials. But um, aesthetically, they sort of like represent this sort of Western gaze that um, I'm not really down with. Yeah. Or at least I don't want it to represent in my own work. But uh, there was this one project I did with a, a production company called Buck, which okay. is actually downtown. They actually have an office. Um, above seven grand. Okay. Yeah. And they, they did this, um, 
really amazing sort of homage to uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh yeah, and they the uh, Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and what it was, it was a there was a small company that was uh, donating all the profits of their of their sales of their books to Oxfam. Oh, so they wanted to do this sort of like um, psychedelic dream animated state of him, you know, discussing some of his favorite books. Um, so that was that was really. Like one of my favorite projects where I felt like, yo, this is really like I, I had never seen anything like it before. I feel like it broke new ground as far as advertising and giving the client, and then also remaining uh, uber creative and honest. Yeah, and it's all you know, just this expression. Um, and that was like that was like 2012. You know, um, there, there was a, there was another cool one I did with a, a director named Gerald Ding. He worked at the time he was at Psyop. Okay. This is a production company in New York, and this was for House and Marley, and they uh, they were coming out with their new Echo Friendly speakers. Okay. So uh, shot in Jamaica, and then we did some animation on top of it. I thought that was just for the culture. It was just really amazing to see, like Jamaicans, you know, and the environment, you know, just and it's high quality and the animation. So th those were like some of the products that really. Like I still show on my reel. Yeah, I, mean? like, I still like you know I, I'm pretty proud of those. They still stand up. Yeah. Well, it's interesting when you talk about that because I think there's that there's a line between okay I'm a creative and I found a way to monetize my creativity. But just because I found a way to monetize it, here's a gig that pays the bills, but I may not feel that this represents what my full talent is. Yeah. Versus the stuff that I really want to do, that I'm really proud of, no one wants to put a budget behind, or yeah. I need to finance it myself. Yes. yes. How do you find that balance of, here's what I'm capable of quality-wise, but here's where my intention is, like, content-wise. Is yeah. it more in selecting those things for your reel and making almost like a like a, a trailer or a sizzle reel of your greatest hits if you will or is it you know like you said being more mindful with the projects that you take on and saying hey here's my criteria like yeah. if you're not you know socially impactful yeah. or something for this culture or whatever like that like how do you because that's a really murky it is. space for a lot of people to get into especially it's really tough. Stack up. yeah it's really tough man. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that because that's something I have a lot of thoughts about and I, I and I want to talk about I feel like creatively artists need to sit down and uh, especially with like up and coming students because I feel like they don't really have an idea of what actually working in the field is like um, I often see a lot of filmmakers and you know really talented people designers whatever they, whatever their craft may be um, they have a unique style that they mm -hmm. just want to do and then when they get in the industry that style doesn't really pay them you know for, for their own expression so they have to sort of like conform you know and, and become something else to, to you know pay the bills yeah you know? For me, like my career, like I got started in 2005. That was like when I got my first like really good gig, and that was at Gold uh, Swim Cartoon Network. And then from there, I, I feel like I, I sort of like was adaptable, and I had to like sort of. But then I didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, but I still was had that gift of being able to adapt to certain drawing styles, certain just comedic environments and storytelling and uh, work with. Like Harvey Birdman is, not, is nothing I would have came up with, but it's something I was able to get on and just 
cool with. Right. So now, like, as I've gotten older, you know, and you start to look at your life and you're like, man, like, what do I really want to say creatively and artistically? And um, I, I really want to make films about my heritage, you know, my, my Nigerian heritage. Um, I feel like there's a wealth of stories that don't get told uh, from the diaspora. Yeah. So, and, and funding those, um, I just sort of like two ways like I I work a lot <laughs> and, I, and I save as much money as I can and independently so fun and then also um, fortunately I've, I've started to make friends who are really good at you know grant writing and crowdfunding and raising money and uh, I'm, I'm starting to learn how they are getting their films funded right right um, and there's a, there's a lot of like interesting platforms that actually are looking for um, minority filmmakers, that, mm -hmm. you know, or just in, independent filmmakers across the board that uh, have ideas uh, that would give you like you know five thousand, ten thousand here right. there to to make a short film or not. So these are the things I'm currently actively working on. So, so it's a bit of both, like self finance and then looking yeah. and then working with those different platforms, seeing how you sort of fit in with them. Yeah, and it's also like you said, um, we talked about this before, like the importance of having. Um, Creating your own like ne not industry, but your own network for the people that will support those things. That, that community of okay, let's create not just a vehicle, but a support system for these types of things. So like what uh, Ava DuVernay's done with Array, right? Yeah. Like being able to do stuff like that to where it's like, hey, I have a platform and I have a channel. So here's the criteria of the things that I would want to champion. Right. If you're doing this stuff, let me know about it, and I can let people know right. from that standpoint. But yeah. it's also interesting talking about. Um, the mythologies of the African diaspora, right? So, what's considered high art, it's 90% of the time, it's uh, from a European standpoint, like, it's like European neoclassical art, right? And don't get me wrong, some of the stuff's incredible. It's amazing. But it also is one note of everything, and so, also the same thing happens with the mythologies that people learn. Like, think about the fact that 90% of people that are educated in the US or in London or Europe or whatever, everyone knows Greek mythology, Roman mythology, maybe some Egyptian mythology, yes. and maybe some bits of Norse, yeah. and that's it. Like, there's not a lot of Native American, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, indigenous first peoples of the Americas period, both in Mexico as well as in Canada. There's not a lot of understanding of the mythologies of the indigenous people in Australia. Right. Or, there's not even a whole lot of knowledge about Chinese or Japanese mythology, Absolutely. let alone, like, just the whole Pan-Pacific of anything on top of the deep roots of African traditions and the multitudinous diaspora of everybody that's come off of that. So knowing that, I know you said that you're working on um, a project that, that touches on like Europe traditions and those things. How are you how are you intending to kind of introduce that in your way? Firstly. And second of all We'll talk about the Black Panther movie and how I think that actually helps. That's a, that's, yeah. a, that's a personal stuff. It's like, funny. What do you want to do with what you're doing? Well, it's funny you mentioned Black Panther. I actually visited the set while they were shooting. Uh, I had a friend that was uh, working on it. And a good friend from um, when I my days at Cartoon Network. He yeah. actually branched out to doing um, visual effects. Oh, so, he, you know, so he was working on the film. And, 
he brought me in and was just like, yo, you got to check this shit out, you know, and I, like, in one day I met so many talented black creators and artists, and, like, it was really inspirational to see what they were doing on the film, so highly looking forward to it, uh, like you, um, in regards to uh, the Yoruba mythology, spirits, um, masquerade project, um, the way I want to introduce that is, um, you know, like, I think there's this, for me, whenever I watch black cinema, um, another reason I'm excited about Black Panther is because the fantasy element of it, the magical realis realism element of it is something that I've always been interested in, and I've never really seen, it's rarely been portrayed in black cinema. Um, and I always felt like, for whatever reason, um, the cinema that we were making was relegated to reality, oftentimes. Those were the films that I saw that got kind of elevated in the, in the space. Um, so for this, uh, I just wanted to be really ethereal, otherworldly, magical. Um, I've already made the costumes for it, uh, amazing designer from Eritrea. Um, so you really like you've invested some incredible like creative equity into this yeah I mean it's, it's gonna be something that I really want to make a stamp on um, what I want to say like my, my own voice filmmaking voice um, and I'm just happy to have you know, like friends I have like uh, Nigato Jusu who's a great uh, writer director in New York she's co-writing script with me um, and we just want it to be a marriage of like poetic visuals and a beautiful story with uh like a strong um, diasporic like voice. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of work, but slowly but surely coming together. I really, really am looking forward to that. And it's interesting because when you talk about, like you said, the presentation of those things, it hasn't really been seen as much. I mean, the closest most people had was, you know, the stuff that happened with, you know, the Lion King, right? Right. You know, talked about fully animated. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, Simba talking to Mufasa in the clouds and the whole dream sequence with Rafiki and this and the other. But then, like now, you have you know these scenes that are kind of teased about. I heard they're gonna do a live action. Yeah, 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 they're doing that too. Yeah. But it's like seeing, like that's the closest 20, thing most people see. Twenty five years. Only took twenty. Something like that. Ninety nine. That movie came out in nineties. So it's been twenty two years. Ninety six, I think. Came out. Wow. Yeah. That was that was that was definitely. <laughs> man, it's like when you talk about certain things, you're like, oh wait, it's been a while yeah. since that. Yeah. But seeing it represented in much more multitudinous fashion like it shouldn't be just the one example of this yeah. one like there needs to be different things the whole you know conversation of you know nothing is a monolith of of, of, of stereotypes right like you know things are multitudinous they are nuanced there's so much that goes on into you know the richness or the balance of any particular thing so being able to have that variety a presentation yeah. of interpretation, right? Yeah. Like, it's when you looked at, um, what did, uh, the Animatrix, right? Mm -hmm. When they commissioned these different filmmakers to do their take right, on yeah. what the major story was yeah. or what uh, uh, Denis Villeneuve did with Blade Runner 2049 where he commissioned, like, different people to do these different shorts yeah. splitting off of that particular world. Like, that should still be happening and telling those stories of... You know, the African diaspora, of, um, but just any culture all the way around, period. It's good to be able to see people getting an opportunity to do it at like a high level. 
Yeah, and it's important. Yeah, it's, it's really important. important. I mean, I, I think it's that representation for humanity just to have the wealth of the spectrum of the human experience, and we're not really getting that right now. I mean, I feel like it's getting better because the uh, technologically, it's a lot easier to make a film than it was, uh, you know, even ten years ago. So, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, especially when you look at the uh, the capabilities that you have, like for example. 10 years ago, you would have needed a much better rig yeah. for us to be able to have this conversation. Yeah, right, and now right. we're doing it on the same thing that right, on the phone. Yeah. I, could, I could make a call yeah. as soon as I'm done. With right. it, you know what I mean? And so, like that, but then you go to being able to use drones to get these aerial shots that would normally, like, that's a, you know, five, seven thousand dollar yeah. day of a helicopter, right, not to right. mention the equipment and everything else. So, being able to democratize the process that's a great, that's a great word democratizing uh, yeah. uh, absolutely expressing those images right like now you can have like a kid that you know just borrowed his friend's drone and has a good idea in high school which think about like senior year in high school to junior year in college think you can take on the world like your yeah, mind is buzzing like right. all the ideas are so brand yeah. new all your synapses are fresh and so you're like just experimenting yeah. oh my goodness yeah. and so the opportunities that exist now and I think that it's important to kind of tap back into that sometimes that, that statement of remember why you started um, oh it's such a good phrase man such a good statement um, yeah I like really I, I work with a lot of talented people I, I've, I've had the good fortune to sit next to some really talented people over my career because I, I've been freelancing for 10 years and um, also congratulations oh man thanks <laughs> um, yeah man, I mean like people like Peter Chung you know Worked on Aeon Flux. Yeah, uh, he was at um, Tip Mouse Studio in Hollywood, and then um, which Aeon Flux is still one of yeah, like, one of my favorite. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it's like it's it's right up there. But um, I, one thing I've noticed that really is always I I, just, I love artists. I just, I love people that have their own unique voice that they want to share or something that their experience that they want to yeah. put out there. Like it really inspires me, um, and I think that's the beauty of making art. Like when you can open the door to like someone else's worldview. You know, and um, whenever I think in a capitalistic system, it's really hard sometimes for people to remain true to their voice. And uh, I've, I've seen a lot of people that I, I really admired, and then later on in their careers, uh, they like they, they made something that really spoke to me. You know, maybe like oh, I want to do this. You know, yeah. and then just through life, you know, they've had to take on jobs that I know doesn't really um, represent who they really are. Yeah. You know? um, so, like, what, what, what you, the statement, what you said, man, you know, remembering why, you know, who, say it, why you started. Remembering why you started, yeah. Because that's, a, that's <laughs> a good thing. Like, I've talked to a lot of creatives, you know, that fall into that rut. Yeah. Oh, man, but now I have to get a job to maintain this and X, Y, Z. It's yeah. like, but if you remember, especially if you're not native to a, a major metropolitan area, so say, for example, you moved to Los Angeles, you moved to New York, you moved to London, or you moved wherever you felt the creative center was where you were previous, all your thoughts were probably consumed of, man, if only I was like somewhere where I could be in the room with this yeah. person or somewhere like where I could run into this person. Yeah. If I could just be in that city, I'd yeah. figure it out. And then you get there and you forgot why you yeah, came right, in the first place. Right. It's like, yeah. like uh, what's that story <laughs> about, um, I forget, it's like an allegory of like going to, it was like being on this journey and then getting caught up in everything that's going on that you forgot the why journey. you even started. Yeah. Like, why did you leave home? Like, what, right. what were you doing? And right. then remembering that. It's, um, I always reference the alchemist because yeah, that, that part where um, he's, 
in that in that town, and he goes up and works with the guy with the the crystal the, um, shop, the crystal shop at the mm-hmm. top of the mountain, and he's like, "Oh yeah, this is cool." It's like, "Oh wait, hold on, this is this wasn't supposed to be my destination. Like right. I just happened to figure this thing yeah. out, but like I'm actually still supposed to be going to do something else." And even though it's comfortable, even though I've made this a success, and even though I could, I could thrive yeah. in this thing, it's not why I'm but here. it's still not why I'm here. And also, yeah. it's not my right. thing. Yeah, it's not my personal legend. This isn't why I left. No. I didn't yeah. leave to be the best, you know, crystal shop minder tea maker <laughs> at the top right. of a hill for weary travelers. Right. I meant to go way out to be told that everything you needed, you were sleeping on, <laughs> and that's the whole point. Yeah. And so when you can. When you can revisit that, especially with someone that has a talent that you do of visualizing it, there's a reason that a picture is worth a thousand words because it's art and it's having an emotional response to something that you understand before you can articulate. And visually, it'll hit you in the chest well before you can form words around. And that's what I've always been fascinated by those that create visuals. It's, it's photographers, it's animators, it's you know people that create um, miniatures and dioramas, and it's set design and, and window dressing and store merchandising. It's just it's the unspoken story that tells everything, everything yeah. <laughs> without saying a thing, yeah. and everyone can get it. Right. That's a superpower. That's a, and I, I respect. I re- like that's why I love having these conversations yeah. because. I like to hear the thought process behind it. If nothing else, just to be able to say, oh, and now I understand where this point came from because they yeah. think like this and yeah. X, Y, Z. So it's, it's really fantastic. So yeah. who are the people that get you excited about that? Um, oh, God. <laughs> so many, <man. laughs> Laundry list. Yeah. So many. I, I mean, um... I, I, I like people from disparate worlds, you know, people that aren't, they do nothing like what I do, um, and I like to, like, sort of, like, see, like, like some, some musicians, like, really, really inspire me, um, like, sonically, when I, when I, I'm very susceptible to music okay. as, a, as an artist, so uh, oftentimes I get ideas from listening to Really? Music. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll see visuals, um, when I hear a piece of music, uh, I'll see a story, you know. Um, um, for my Yoruba project, there's, there's this one um, musician, um, God, what is his name? Um, it's so amazing, man. He does these really, like, spiritual, ornate... Um, it's always funny, the moment that you want to remember something that was just in your mind. Yeah, you yeah, it, I just want to make sure I get it. Tim Hecker. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, Tim Hecker. Are you familiar? No, no. Oh, yeah, dude. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's incredible, man. Like, I, I stumbled upon one song that he made, and ever since then I've been a huge um, fan of his. And I actually want to try to get him to uh, do some of the score. Oh, yeah. But, uh... I would say check out um, this album. I to have you send me a link for it. Love Streams. Okay. He's got, he's got an album called Love Streams. Yeah. It's it, it, it it's effective, man. It just makes you feel um, things. And the guy's not really religious, like, you know, at all. But his music it sort of has this sort of like otherworldly. Just takes you to these other you know, 
otherworldly vistas, you know. Yeah. So. Um, and the other people, I mean, obviously, like, they're, they're filmmakers. Uh, I like Wong uh, Kewar as a filmmaker. He inspires me. Uh, Fela Kuti is, like, probably a big inspiration just for his rebelliousness uh, and his political voice, yeah. you know. Um, the scores of visual artists, um, you know, Kine Wiley, I think it's really dope. Um, there's, um, God, uh, this is just tons, yeah. ton, tons of people, man. Um, well, you talking about the music inspiring you. I'm mm -hmm. curious, is it, do you hear a piece and see it as a score? When you hear it, it's like, okay, I hear this and I can visualize these things happening over it. Or is mm -hmm. it more, you hear something that triggers a thought, like somebody says a word or turns a phrase or whatever that sends your mind down a path? It's more like when I hear certain pieces of music, I can see a world. Okay. Like I can see like a whole like environment that these characters sort of like live in. And then I'll, I'll often write my script. Like I'll make a playlist of different songs that inspire me, and I'll, and I'll write to that. Hmm. Yeah. So it keeps me in that world as yeah. I'm writing. You know. Um, so that that's been really helpful. I don't, I don't know. It just that's just been my process of discovery. Right. You know, getting into that place. You know. Yeah. What would you, reaching back, what would you say to yourself 10 years ago when you finally decided, you know what, this is what I'm going to do full on? Uh, that's that. such a hard question because like, I, I used to think like that. I used to be like, you know, I wish I would have started earlier, but um, I feel like I'm, I'm right where I need to be. Man. I feel like everything I've experienced has brought me here to this point and I wouldn't change anything. You know, I think... Um, I mean, I, I think obviously other like decisions. Yeah. Uh, you know, tell your younger self like, yo, you probably don't want to do that. <laughs> you could send yourself like one postcard, like on the day you decided, as like that one tipping point to be like, you know what, everything's gonna be good. What would what would you what would be on the back of that postcard? Like if it was a tweet. Uh, I mean, just the, the, the cliche, just do it. You know, just honestly, just go for it. Just make mistakes. Don't be afraid to fail. Just just start. You know, that would, that's what I would say. As simple as that. Yeah. There's that saying of uh, it doesn't have to be perfect to start. It just has right. to start. Just has to start. Yeah, you're, you're gonna fuck up. Just yeah. start. <laughs> you know, like, and that's one thing I've I've gotten really good at. Like, I just I just learn. You know, I have no fear about like creativity. I'm really invested in like failing, and I, you know, to me, it's not a bad thing at all. Yeah. That's that's a great that's a great statement. I'm really invested in failing. Yeah. Because people think failure means that you're at the end of it. Like, no, nah. it's just it's part of the cycle. It's like, part of the creative process, man. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, like any, my part, like, I'll, I'll make, I have an idea, like, getting an idea from your, from your mind to a tangible place is like, you'll be working on a sketch and then you, you want it one way and then you try that and then you actually, like, try to make it into this 3D space and then you notice, like, it didn't come out the way you wanted, you know, yeah. exactly. And then if you're working with a team of a set designer or other people, you have to experiment. You have to say, okay, well, this we thought this would look great in this uh, iteration, but, like, now we see it, let's change it, you know. So right. you, that could be, it'll be, in a way, considered a failure, especially if you have, like, money's on the line and, you know, you have to change it, you know, while you're shooting or something. But that's just... This is what it is, man. You have to, as a director, you sort of have to be flexible and adaptable to, to, to failing and changing and working with whatever you have at that moment. You know? so. 
sometimes failing at trying to be something else is succeeding at being yourself. That's great. That's a way to put it. There's a lot to that, a whole lot to that. Thanks to Jamal Adamola for today's episode. This podcast is presented weekly by The Vanishing Gallery. Until next time, keep exploring the middle and what lies within. Thank you.